Here's a throwback for everyone. Welcome back, you Samaritan devils. <laughs> Remember that one? Season I do, one. I do. He sounds very similar to Obadiah. Well, there's a bit different now between Obadiah and the Samaritan devils. One, Not really. They're just really gritty. One's a little, uh, yeah. I have like a like a really tenored voice. And then all of my character voices are much, much deeper. Like, I think that's like my I, Allison voice. Yeah. No, thank you for that. Yeah. I could see how that would be yeah. your Allison voice. It yeah. So much like me. I think that's why it throws people off when you do voices like that. Because yeah. no one even knows. Somebody even asked me one time, was that, was that him? Mariah Carey doesn't have range like me. You know what I'm saying? So it's. Do you have whistle tone? Uh, <laughs> yes, but I, I refuse to show anyone ever. I was really hoping you would. <laughs> Can you imagine that? What if I just bust it out? Oh my goodness. All right, anyway, everyone's like, what's wrong with you? Welcome back. It's Chip and Eric reading through the Bible. America's number one Newton, Kansas-based Bible reading podcast for its third year now. That's right. Pretty cool. I'm Eric, and this is Allison. Hi. Yeah, and we're glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us today. If this is your first time joining us, awesome. Fantastic. Yep. We apologize in advance. Yeah. And if you've been with us for a few years, what's wrong with you? Right. Anyway. We have the Bible. That's really what we have going for yeah, us. Yeah, I know. I'm aware. <laughs> That's it, though. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, it's fine. That's and friends. Good. And friends. We have some friends. Chip and Eric and friends. Mm -hmm. yeah. na, 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 na. Hey, guess what we're going to do today? Uh, speaking of Chip and Eric and friends. <laughs> I thought you were saying, speaking of guess what we're going to do today. I, I was, I, got, I paused for a second. I really need to stop even trying to be Chip because it's just never going to, it's never going to happen. Yeah. I need to be myself. Breakthrough? Wow. <laughs> Speaking of breakthroughs, we're going to read. There you go. Uh, that was good. That was a good one. We're going to, today is day uh, 16, and we're going to read Genesis 38 through 40 and John 8, 21 through 36. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Genesis 38. Hang on. Stand by. Yuck. Genesis 38, Judah and Tamar. About this time, Judah left home and moved to Adullam, where he stayed with a man named Hira. There he saw a Canaanite woman, the daughter of Shua, and he married her. When he slept with her, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and he named the boy Ur. That's half my name. Then she became pregnant again and gave birth to another son, and she named him Onan. And when she gave birth to a third son, she named him Shelah. At the time of Shelah's birth, they were living at Kizid. In the course of time, Judah arranged for his firstborn son, Ur, to marry a young woman named Tamar. But Ur was a wicked man in the Lord's sight, so the Lord took his life. Then Judah said to Ur's brother, Onan, Go and marry Tamar, for our law requires of the brother of a man who is, as our law requires of the brother of a man who has died. You must produce an heir for your brother. But Onan was not willing to have a child who would not be his own heir. So whenever he had intercourse with his brother's wife, he spilled the semen on the ground. This presented, prevented her from having a child who would belong to his brother. But the Lord considered it evil for Onan to deny a child to his dead brother, so the Lord took Onan's life too. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Go back to your parents' home and remain a widow until my son Shelah is old enough to marry you. But Judah didn't really intend to do this because he was afraid Shelah would also die like his two brothers. So Tamar went back to live in her father's home. Some years later, Judah's wife died. After the time of mourning was over, Judah and his friend Hira, the Agilomite, were on their way to Timnah to supervise the shearing of his sheep. Someone told Tamar, Look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. 
Tamar was aware that Sheila had grown up, but no arrangements had been made for her to come and marry him. So she changed out of her widow's clothing and covered herself with a veil to disguise herself. Then she sat beside the road at the entrance of the village of Enaim, which is on the road to Timnah. Judah noticed her and thought she was a prostitute since she had covered her face. So he stopped and propositioned her. Let me have sex with you, he said, not realizing that she was his own daughter-in-law. How much will you pay to have sex with me, Tamar asked. I'll send you a young goat from my flock, Judah promised. But what will you give me to guarantee that you will send the goat, she asked. What kind of guarantee do you want, he replied. She answered, leave me your identification seal and its cord and the walking stick you're carrying. So Judah gave them to her. Then he had intercourse with her and she became pregnant. Afterward, she, she went back home, took off her veil, and put on her widow's clothing as usual. Later, Judah asked his friend Hira the Agilamite to take the young goat to the woman and to pick up the things he had given her as a guarantee. But Hira couldn't find her. So the men who lived there, so he asked the men who lived there, where can I find the shrine prostitute who was sitting beside the road at the entrance to Enaim? We've never had a shrine prostitute here, they replied. So Hira returned to Judah and told them, I couldn't find her anywhere. The men of the village claimed they've never had a shrine prostitute there. Then they, then let her keep the things I gave her, Judah said. I sent the young goat as we agreed, but you couldn't find her. We'd be the laughing stock of the village if we went back again to look for her. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has acted like a prostitute. And now, because of this, she's pregnant. Bring her out and let her be burned, Judah demanded. But as they were taking her out to kill her, she sent this message to her father-in-law. The man who owns these things made me pregnant. Look closely. Whose seal and cord and walking stick are these? Judah recognized them immediately and said, She is more righteous than I am because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son, Shema. And Judah never slept with Tamar again. When the time came for Tamar to give birth, it was discovered that she was carrying twins. While she was in labor, one of the babies reached out his hand. The midwife grabbed it and tied a scarlet string around the child's wrist, announcing, This one came out first. And then he pulled back his hand, and out came his brother. What? The midwife exclaimed. <laughs> How did you break out first? So he was named Perez. Then the baby with the scarlet string on his wrist was born, and he was named Zerah. Chapter 39, Joseph and Potiphar's house. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, the Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Jacob's, I mean, sorry, Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and, li crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master thrust, <laughs> trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held me back. I'm sorry. He has held back nothing from me except you because you were his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. 
Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called to her, out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave in here to make fools out of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you've brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Joseph put in prison. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Chapter 40, Joseph interprets two dreams. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and the chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today? he asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer and told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced a cluster of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as chief cupbearer. And please, rem and please remember me and do me a favor when these things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I am in prison. But I did nothing to deserve it. When the chief Baker saw that Joseph had given his first dream such a positive interpretation. He said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastry stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three ba baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Then mm. birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief, chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored, restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph has predicted, when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Hmm. Okay, and we're going to jump forward here to John... Eight. Uh, 21 through 36. Okay. The unbelieving people warned. Later, Jesus said to them again, I'm going away. You'll search for me, but will die in your sin. You cannot come where I'm going. The people asked, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean you cannot come where I'm going? Jesus continued, you are from below. I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who 
for unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Well, who are you? They demanded. Jesus replied, the one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me. He is completely truthful. But they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. Jesus and Abraham. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean? You will be set free. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. And, and that, that is, is our, our reading, reading today. today. That is our reading today. And big shout out to all of you who are going to text me and say, why did you stop in the middle of the paragraph? I want to shout you out right now. It's amazing. I think it's good to, to be free. Please text me. I'm going to nip this in the bus. <laughs> That's an inside joke because I said the word bus instead of bud. Anyway. But it's it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. We'll have that one forever. You can't nip a bus. No. All right. Hey. It could be nipped by a bus, but I feel like you wouldn't call it nipped at that point. Oh, he got nipped. <laughs> just in traction. That bus just everything's, <laughs> everything's just up in traction. All right. Anyway, hey, guys, we just read the Bible and it was super cool. Um, actually, there were some pretty horrible things, but we read it with two questions in mind. How does this help me love God more? How does this help me love others more? So, Allison. How does it help me love God more? Okay. Um, I there's uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go with what I thought I would go with. Um, I as I guess maybe just because I'm a woman, um, I love when you see these these little snapshots of God just really not allowing people to treat women badly. Yeah. <laughs> um, he it, it says here, uh, Onan. Okay, he's bad. Bye. You die. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Onan. Sorry, you can't be bad. And then, um, well, there was who was was Onan the first one? There were two. Um, er, half of Eric. Er, er, yeah, er, gone. Sorry. Um, yeah. He was a wicked man in Lord's sight. Lord took his life. And so, uh, Ju Judah tells Onan, "Go marry her," because that's what they were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. That was the that was their right. custom. Go take care of her, right? And then he didn't want to, he didn't want to, he didn't, he was trying to be kind of a jerk. And so, bye. And then, um, Judah was being a jerk. Yeah. You know, a little bit. Um, but God doesn't, God's not okay with that. God was, a, God wanted women to be taken care of. Right. Yes. And I feel like a lot of times we, people overlook those kinds of passages, especially in the new Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, they think that all of the, uh, all of the way, you know. Well, look at how Jesus treated women. J Jesus was, you know, but it's it's all throughout the Old Testament too, mm -hmm. where God stands up and is like, no, hey, hold on, that's not okay. Right. She needs to be taken care of. You're not gonna just fall out on this 
responsibility. So it, I love seeing those pictures of where God is, it shows how much he cherishes women and families and your children and, you know, the, the line continuing on the descendants. Yeah. Um, and, and he took care, you know, I guess she kind of did some things too, but it is kind of funny when he's like, bring her out to have her burned. And she's like, oh yeah. Oh, you want to get burned? Okay. <laughs> Burn. So yeah. <laughs> the reason I'm here is because of the owner of these things, you know? <laughs> and then, and then, you know, to record for Moses to record the words, she's more righteous than me. Mm -hmm. When this is one of the patriarchs of the, of the Hebrew oh, people, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah, I think again, you know, I, okay. So the concept that's at work here is called leveret laws. And leveret laws in the Old Testament are the law that uh, if, if a woman becomes a widow, mm -hmm. that's when the brother needs to step in and take care of her. The nearest kin need to step in and take care. So when Judah sent her back to her father's house, that was a, like, you want to talk walk of shame? Like, Gosh. that was a big deal. That he basically said, I won't and neither will my son take care of you. So go back to your father's house. And she had no choice. She had no choice but to sit and wait for the next in line that Judah was never going to give her. So she was just basically a woman between two families. She was a burden on her father's house, and she was rejected by her husband's house. So, yeah, big, big no-no. Well, when she said there. it said she took off, like she had waited for the young one to grow mm -hmm. up. And then once he was grown, it said she took off her widow, her widow clothes. So what, like she was a widow this whole time. She was considered yeah. a widow. Like, you know, yep. that's who you are. Yep. Not moving on, not, you know, she's waiting. Which she's indicates waiting. that her father didn't want her back either. Because she's still dressed as though she's part of that other family. Because mm -hmm. she should have been. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of kind of crappy. And then, of course, we know Judah and Tamar have a son named Perez. And Perez is one of the ancestors of Jesus. Like this story gives us Jesus. Like oh, I didn't realize. Per oh, mm -hmm. so Judah, yeah. So see, I did, that even proves what I was saying more. Yeah, God right. protects, and I love that because. And when you read in Matthew chapter one, the lineage of Jesus, it's not just Judah was the father of Perez. It's Judah and Tamar. Hmm. You know, so she's listed. Mm -hmm. This woman that was wronged so horribly mm -hmm. is listed in the lineage of Jesus in Matthew chapter one. That's amazing. Yeah. Hey, okay, so how does this help me love others more? Okay, so I love, I'm going to say what you said. God doesn't allow people to treat women badly. I love that. And like the, the whole Bible testifies to that. So I just wanted to recap that because we kind of went. It's yeah. not um, something that people think, though. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. when they read the Old Testament, they tend to look right. at the negatives. Uh -huh. Well, they couldn't own property, and they couldn't, yeah, right. which they did. But, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Because it was a patriarchal world. Mm -hmm. And so the system that God initiates with his people has to be patriarchal, because mm -hmm. that's the, the manner of the world. You can't just turn everything on its head, and, you know, it would be chaos. Mm -hmm. So he does treat women justly, but within a system that was already created, mm -hmm. that God didn't necessarily create but it's and it's important like you that god didn't necessarily create it's important to notice that when these when we read these things that are terrible that happen to women that wasn't that wasn't god's plan that wasn't right. what god had told them to do it was then you know this is you can't say well look how god allows 
no, that's not what he, that wasn't his plan. That wasn't what he told him to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. How does this help me love others more? I'm going to go back to John because I don't, I, I know the bulk of our reading is now in the Old Testament, and then we get these little snippets in the New Testament, and I really would so hate dense. to brush by the... There it is, yeah. too. So, okay, so Jesus said, When you've lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, and you understand that I am He. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me, and the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases Him. That, for some reason, according to the next verse, convinced many people to believe in Him. Hmm. And I think why is because... God was so, or Jesus was so connected to the Father Mm -hmm. that it was undeniable. So one way that I can love others better is to allow them to see how connected I am to Christ. I want to be that connected Mm -hmm. so that when people hear my testimony, they can believe what I'm saying about Jesus. And I think that we overlook that as a potential way to love people is having this like remarkable connection with God that people can visibly see and experience in their relationship with me because all of that points them to Jesus, which is the most loving thing you can do for someone. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how this helps me love others more or better Mm -hmm. um, is, and this isn't seeing something wonderful in others. It's just a, a manner in which we can show our love to people. It helps me love others more by showing me that my connection to God can be a testimony that could change their lives because that's exactly what Jesus did. He was so connected to the Father that people couldn't help but believe in him. So that's what I'm going to go with. I love that because, you know, now you hear a lot um, about people thinking that you have to be kind of in everybody's face with mm-hmm. what you believe in order for you to, because I've heard, don't be lukewarm, don't be lukewarm. But one of the things when I started teaching this past year again, it was, I just, re- the first thing I want is, and I think I told you this, is I want them to just see mm-hmm. me love Jesus, you know, like, let me let them see that more than anything. And first and foremost, before I start to, I mean, I don't ever want them to just be, you know, mm-hmm. bombarded with, well, well, that's wrong. And this is right. You know, <laughs> let watch me love Jesus. That's what I want. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a cool thing. We're, by the time this airs, I think this airs Tuesday the 16th. Mm -hmm. Okay. By the time this airs, the day will have come and gone. But we're reading this on MLK Day. Mm -hmm. Two dreams. Two dreams in what we just read. Oh, yeah. Huh. I know, right? How did that pop in your head? Well, because I was, while you were, while you were reading it, you said, I also have a dream. I also oh. had a dream. And I was like, hey, wait a second. I know somebody who had a dream. Hey, wait a second. Yeah. Aww. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, uh, MLK cut off too soon. And the baker was turned into a donut hole. So, not Yeah, good. that poor guy. He was like, you gave such a great interpretation of Oh, my of goodness. I want to tell you. Tell what? me my dream. And he's like, uh, yeah. Okay. So. so, you know how sometimes people get impaled on poles? Uh, that's it. That's your that's your dream. Oh man, that poor <laughs> makes you wonder what they did. Because it could have been almost nothing, right? I mean, that's what it seemed like. He offended, he offended Pharaoh, and, <laughs> and I was thinking about due process too. Like, okay, here's your trial. You're going to jail later. I'm gonna impale you. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna decide. It's almost like he 
flip a coin. Which one am I going to be okay with today? Yeah. The cupbearer, you're good. You know what, though? That kind of goes, and I'm just going to say this briefly because we're on a long episode right now, but that kind of goes back to what we were just saying about how the system that God puts in place is, is much more fair mm -hmm. than what we see out in the world. Mm -hmm. So Pharaoh just flippantly throws these guys in jail and then pokes a stick through one of them. Right? Like, that's never the case in the government that God sets up. No. So you know when he had, when Onan or whatever, when he's like, you're dead, he was evil. Yeah. Yeah. It was fair. Yeah. Although, it was genuinely fair, we probably all, we would all deserve that. That's, that's why true. grace, mercy. Those are all important. Yeah. Anyway. All right. We're out of here. Go, See you later. Go do things. Stay warm. Did you say stay warm? Should I not? Are you one of the people that says stay warm when people leave? I am. Is that a bad stay thing warm. to say? Do you not say that? Well, like, if you tell me to stay warm today, I'm going to be like, okay, well, I was just going to sit down here on the sidewalk. Okay, it's a nice 